Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Four Feathers Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani. I'm joined tonight by Patrick Comiskey and Tony Marchese. As Stranglehold fades out, it's time to crack them and get caught up on the Hawks. What's going on, gentlemen? Not too much, Tone. How you doing? How we doing? Well, last night was pretty fun. We could start there. Yeah, that was a fun one last night. Seven goals, a hat trick in that game. Um, the Hawks also, ever since uh, you and Ron last recorded, Tony, they went uh, 3-0. and So that's uh, that's exciting stuff. Just when you think uh, they're out, they pull you right back in. Um, yeah, um, didn't expect that to happen at all, Johnny. Um, we all know what my predictions were. Uh, I'm happy that they're completely wrong. And that uh, that they came out and and beat Arizona so handily last night. I thought that was going to be a trap game. Obviously, it uh, didn't turn out to be. Um, like you said, uh, eight goal game last night, seven one Hawks win. Um, but uh, let's let's go take it back to Thursday, Johnny, to the five uh, four shootout win versus Buffalo. Um, would you uh, would you have to think about that game? Yeah. So last week I wasn't on. I was flying back from Arizona at the beginning of last week. I was out seeing some White Sox spring training out there. So as the plane was landing, um, I was in descent. I was just scrolling through Twitter, refreshing every 15 seconds, just trying to look for updates because that was about when the overtime was happening. Um, and then right when I landed, I was able to pick up the uh, 720 WGN uh, radio app feed. So I was able to listen to the shootout uh, there. So, you know, apparently it looked uh, pretty bad uh, in the middle of the game defensively, but, you know, got it to the overtime. Heard it was a ridiculous overtime, pretty dominated by the Hawks. Um, I just kept seeing Brandon Sods all over the place, Alex Dabrinkit's all over the place. So um, it was good to see that Crow, you know, Eichel got one on him, but he made a big stop on Reinhardt, and then all three Hawks scored in their shootout attempts. So, um, that was some exciting news to land to. Um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to actually watch it. I was just listening. So I think that was Pat's debut on the Twitter while you were gone, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, and it was it was a fun one to run through. Uh, started out a little hotter, and then yeah, that middle of the game was rough. It was almost one of those where, you know, you take a little trip to the fridge or you take a trip to the bathroom and you come back and, you, you know, what the hell happened? Just, I think it was like three goals in three minutes or some shit. But, yeah, they did. Other than that, you know, they look solid. Um, the shootout's always fun when you can just go with Kane, Taze, and Brinkett. Like, not many teams are going to be able to answer to that. And, you know, a lot of times they all three are just going to put them in. Yeah, we haven't really talked much about that at all this year, Johnny. Um, the shootout. These guys, we've got we've got some good goal scorers that we can roll out there. Especially, you know, you, you just mentioned that, but there's also some guys that uh, that provide a little depth. I mean, you add Stromer to the mix. I think he's another guy that you can go out there throw fourth, fifth. Anisimov's no stranger to the shootout. Um, I mean, th- this team's got uh, a good. Good little lineup there for for a shootout matchup, and uh, they they actually came away with the win there against Buffalo. Uh, let's go and move it to Saturday, two one at Dallas. Um, this was like the first two one game that they've won in quite a while. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the uh, what the actual date was, but I know that uh, they haven't played many two one wins in 
in almost forever. Yeah, so I got a little note later um, when we're when we get down to it, talking about you know, like Tony had said, that distance uh, from the last time that we've actually played a low-scoring affair. But yeah, that was an interesting one. Uh, Saturday night in Dallas, you know, you figured they'd come out firing. The they look like they're in a better spot than us right now. You'd have expected a a plus effort from them, uh, but instead, I think the Hawks gave the better effort on uh, Saturday night. It showed. Um, sure, they gave up a decent amount of chances, but they held strong when they needed to. Uh, they got their goals from, you know, that was pretty ridiculous seeing Camp to Kunitz back to Camp for that first goal that we scored. Uh, you know, we talked about the lack of depth scoring. We've railed on about it in earlier episodes. Here's you the depth scoring. Some there. Yeah, you finally get some there. And then Kane sets up to brink it on an entry, uh, you know, on the radio feed. They're saying, oh, it's so close that it may be offsides. Is Dallas going to challenge us for offsides? But no, it was just a perfectly placed pass by Patrick Kane. Uh, the cat walks in and makes a nice move. I think it was a backhand goal that he uh, ended up getting past uh, Hudobin there. So um, I, I had tweeted this from the Four Feathers account. I think it was after the shootout goal when I finally saw it after I was done getting my bags and stuff at the airport. But it also applies to that Saturday night goal. You know, I make all these Kane uh, edits, the make it nasty. That was our thing for him. I think I'm going to start doing that for the cat pretty soon. Oh, yeah, that that Debrinket shootout backhand was just absolutely disgusting. I think you should make a, a, a nice little video at it. Maybe not make it nasty, but let, let's get to brink at his own little little tune. I don't know what what will what uh what you'll come up with, but I think he deserves his own highlight reel video. If Kane does, I think the brink it does as well. Yeah, absolutely. I I'd, I'd say he uh, he's definitely earned it. Let me just go and uh I'll I'll find the clips and uh, I'll get to it. So that that'll be on the way video content from four feathers patrick what about you any thoughts for saturday yeah i think it's uh it's nice it's weird i think that was the first time in 16 straight that the under hit on the betting line you know it's weird seeing those low scoring games but it's actually uh it's kind of nice to see it for once because the defense has been so dreadful this year and you know they're adjusting playing a new defensive system under colleton so you know maybe they're starting to come into it a little more it's nice to see, you know, not a turnover every time, you know, Gustafson or uh, Forsling hits the ice. So, you know, they're starting to gel a little bit better. Uh, I think in that Dallas game, they only gave up, uh, I want to say, 28 shots on goal. So, you know, we're used to seeing that in like the 40 range every night. So, you know, when you're trying to ease Corey back in, you don't want to, you don't want him seeing 40, 45 shots every night. You know, he needs a little easier transition so that was promising to say the least no he brings up a good point you don't want Corey Crawford just getting peppered all night Patrick I I know last time Ron and I recorded uh we talked a little bit about how Crawford was uh was looking a little bit shaky um what do you guys think about his performances overall so far um as a whole I know you guys haven't gotten to touch on it since his return I think that's a little something that we could touch on right here because um you know, I think it's it's been a steady uphill for him uh, since last week. Yeah, so uh, you seen in that Buffalo game, he he looked a little off, especially in that second period. You know, you see the one goal. Uh, I want to say the short-handed goal. You know, they they made a nice play on it, but you know, he kind of lost his net a little bit, and then just some other ones. You know, uh, 
giving up a juicy rebound, just bouncing right out of his glove. You know, just positioning's been off, but he hasn't been on the ice much in the last year. So, I mean, you're not going to expect him to come back in and light the world on fire. But, you know, these last two games, he has looked good. So, you know, that's a pretty quick transition back in the net. And if you can get him playing at that level, it might be a little late now for the playoffs, but you know, maybe, maybe playoffs. There, yeah, there it is. Playoffs. You maybe kidding me? If you did have Corey Crawford for, you know, at least most of the season, you know, I think it'd be fair to say they'd be in a better position right now, but you know, if anyone's going to take him there, it's him. I don't think it's going to happen. It's just you're too far out with not enough left, but you know, if he keeps playing like that. They're at least going to create a little bit of noise. Johnny, how are you feeling about Crawford? Yeah, so these last two, they got me feeling good. Um, that also, it's a credit to the defense a little bit. Um, they only allowed, I think it was only 24 shots last night total against uh, Arizona. It so was that, something crazy, you know, like the first period, yeah. they only had given up like seven, I think. Yeah, seven or eight or something like that. So um, that helps. Uh, obviously, that helps, but he's making the saves that he needs to there. Uh, Dallas game, I thought, was huge. I think, you know, that was probably his best performance that we've seen uh, back, I'd argue, this season um, from his stint before he got injured the first time. And uh, just for the implications of that game, is the Stars the stars were coming. They were. They really were at the end. Um, they had a goalie pulled. And unfortunately for us, I think it was Jamie Ben that took a stupid penalty decking Murphy into Crawford. So, you know what? Uh, I want to touch that, on that play. That bailed Johnny. us out a little bit. But um, overall, Crow was rock solid in that game. One goal allowed. And that was only because uh, the defense got split like Swiss cheese. Uh, like we had uh, run from Four Feathers on that pole. You know, the Hawks D Swiss cheese. So that's that when I ran it, it was the first period, like right after that happened. So that's what it looked like. And then the rest of the game, uh, sure, they allowed some chances, but Crow stood tall. So that was good to see. I want to touch on that that penalty that uh, that Ben took. Did anybody else feel that Murphy really just kind of sold that? Maybe a little bit, but Jamie Ben's such a strong dude. Uh, so even if he was selling it, it's very a believable sell. Um, he's got a lot of upper body strength. Murphy's kind of tall, so you get... You get some momentum going, and then you just topple it was over. Just, yeah, it was so. just such a <laughs> yeah. It was it, it I, almost I think a little bit. It almost reminded. I, I still think it's a legit shot. I don't know. It almost reminded me of like you remember the Mighty Ducks. You know, take the fall when Gordon yeah. Bombay sitting there telling them to take the fall, get indignant, and you know, like that. That's where it was, and I I was very proud of Murphy right there because he had that message. It was a great time for the Hawks to go on the power play in that game. And especially Jamie Ben going off to the box, I just thought that that was that was a really heads up play for Murphy not to try and keep his balance there and just go down. Like I said, like well, like you said, it's a very believable sell because Jamie Ben is Jamie Ben and he's huge, right? And there's tons of upper body strength. I'm not gonna, you know, beat that dead horse. But if there's a time that you're gonna go crashing down to the ice and maybe sell it a little bit rather than try and keep your footing and stand up and fight. That's the time right there, and that was heads up from Murphy. I was I was really pleased when I saw him go down and kind of sell that. It's those little things. Take what you're given. Yeah, that, that's that's what I I like uh, play opportunistically. So I, I don't. If you're asking the question straight up, I don't think it was a complete sell. I don't think it was a flop. Uh, I don't think there was any question that there was solid contact made. 
but I think he probably could have stayed on his feet. So, yeah, I think a little bit of a sell. Any thoughts on that play, uh, Comiskey? Uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't get to watch that whole Dallas game, so I didn't see that play. I just tried looking up a video of it, and Twitter didn't have anything to offer. Um, but just what comes to mind is, it wasn't it the Stars owner with those comments, what was that, a month or so ago about uh, Ben and Sagan? I think he called them like horse shit or something, something along those lines. Yeah, their performance it, has know, been horse shit. Yeah, that, that yeah, that's it, and you know, it, it's just interesting every time you watch that team because they have all that talent, but it's you know they're just always kind of, eh. uh, you know, Ben's great, Sagan's great, but you know, it's a you wonder if they're ever gonna fully put it together down there, and then you know when your own owner doesn't even believe in you, uh, you know, strange things might be going on down there. Well, it's a very bad time for a guy like Ben to take a penalty right at the end of the game in a, in a, in a 2-1 battle. So, I don't know. Right, right. If I was a Dallas fan, I'd be pissed. I'd be pissed. Um, granted, they're in a playoff spot right now. We're not. So, um, we got to keep that in mind. But, yeah, you're right. I, I do wonder if that team's ever going to put anything together. They just don't seem like they're a legitimate threat. I mean, do you guys ever they, consider them a real legitimate threat? I don't think anybody really does. You, you look at the talent, and you're like, okay, yeah, on paper, this team's pretty decent uh they're solid defensively for the most part they have been they have sagan they have uh radulov that's who got their lone goal on saturday night but it just never seems to all come together um even if they have a you know solid core like that it doesn't seem like they're playing that cohesively um you know i've seen tyler sagan he can run around he can run around the ice with the best of them with Connor mcdavid with any of them so um you have to think well what could they do to better supplement him it's not just him that the play is horseshit uh i think it's just because you have the most money tied up into him so you expect that from him and sure you want the numbers to be there and back it up but hockey there are five guys on your team out on the ice at the same time can't be just one guy i think the only guy that can really create plays completely by himself is Connor mcdavid and that is just wicked speed so, um, yeah, Dallas is a big question mark every year. Always, always have been, always will be. So while we're on the topic of the Dallas Stars, on Monday was the St. Patrick's Day game for the Hawks. So they warm up in these green jerseys, which I liked. You know, I'm all for St. Patrick's Day. We're all for St. Patrick's Day. I'm pretty sure all of us love drinking beer, right? Anybody opposed here? Yeah, yeah, I don't I think mind. I'll, I think I think I'll have a little sip right now. Yeah, I mean, we've got a green logo going on on uh, the Four Feathers uh, Twitter page. We've we've gone green for the week. Uh, we support pa- St. Patrick's Day. Chicago was voted the number one city for St. Patty's Day celebration. You know, it's it all plays in hand. Yeah, right. So, what is this bullshit, guys? That Mark Lazarus tweeted out the other day about the best green jerseys being the Dallas Stars and all the hate that the Hawks warm-up jerseys got. What is this? Are are, 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 are we anti-St. Patrick's Day now? Because this is a problem, in my opinion. You can't be anti-St. Patrick's Day. And the Dallas Stars jerseys, they ripped off the Hawks. Or so? Yeah, yeah. And Lazarus called them the best in the NHL, not just the best green ones, too. I was going to say that, yeah. Looney Tunes. 
He went best in the NHL for those jerseys? Yes. Best that in was the a NHL, tweet. Yeah. It's a, it wasn't just yeah. best green. He said the best jerseys. That's trash, I, I man. Mean, I'm sorry. Like That's just the worst a... take I've ever heard. So yeah, it's not Hawks... even a top 10 jersey. The, the Hawks have the best jerseys in the league. We've already established that multiple times yeah, throughout we've discussed our this. four or five episodes. That, that's an undeniable fact. And then if you want to go and put contesters up there, you go with the Leafs, you go with the Habs, the Red Wings. Those are probably your top uh, competitors for four best jerseys. What are you throwing yeah. into the mix? Which one? I didn't catch that. Yeah, I would go with Boston. I'd throw them into the mix. Yeah, they've got I, some, they've got some the, good jersey. I gotta, yes, go, I gotta go find this tweet now Dallas because... I gotta go find this tweet now because I just can't believe that he would even say that. So yeah, basically what he said was he was talking about how uh, he doesn't like the green Blackhawks jerseys and he thinks people who wear them to the games are stupid or what what have you. Um, and then he goes, but but somehow ironically Dallas's green home jersey remains the best jersey in the league, which doesn't make sense. He was like going on like nothing makes sense in this post fact world and like just like you know like his like weird like trying to be quirky Twitter personality and it's like dude like you're first of all you're just wrong that we could just like stop it right there but I could go in and roast you more if you want and you just open the door like wide open you blew you blew the door off the hinges for it um that, that's a terrible take he's wrong um I mean oh wow the, he went on a rant. The, the logo is clean. I'll give Dallas that. It does look clean. It looks nice for their setup and their color scheme and their modern North Stars. I mean, they're not the North Stars anymore, so they don't have the yellow. But if they're going to go with that, sure. It does look clean. I'll give them that. But it's not, like, one of the best. Um, even just the Tony had mentioned, it's a ripoff of ours, the stripe pattern on it. Um, I, I could lay into it even more about why they're not the best. They're not the worst. Um, I hate the fucking Vegas. Predators. Yeah, the Predators. Here Ugh. you go. The mustard, the mustard yellow. Yeah, those are probably the worst. The Florida Panthers got to be in yeah. the running. They got those soccer-looking jerseys going on down there. Yeah, I mean, is that? Yeah, you bring up a good one. The Florida Panthers. Is though? Is there a worse jersey in sports than Florida Panthers, guys? Uh, Ooh. In sports, that's that's hard. I uh, I, I would throw the, those new Arizona Diamondbacks jerseys. Ooh, yeah, every single one they have. Uh, the Bucks have. Tampa Bay, the Bucks, they have some interesting jerseys. But yeah, I mean, Florida's are pretty bad. They just don't really look like a hockey jersey. The Jacksonville Jaguars are pretty bad. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, but I think the Panthers, I, I don't know, they might be up there. Yeah, like they, when they did that like remodel, like I'd say I agree with Patrick, it looks more like a, a soccer kit with just sleeves instead of, you know, short sleeves. So. Uh, that's the vibe I get there. At least it's better than what their old ones were. I, I do like the jumping Panther. That was cool. But whatever they were doing on the sleeves was stupid. It was like running blue, like all the way down, like as like one stripe. And then they'd have like a little like red outline on it. And it, they just tried every combination of the book with that and nothing worked. It, it was never, uh, it was never aesthetically pleasing. Let's just say that. No. All right, let's let's keep it moving off of jerseys because I yeah, can talk we, about can I can talk, talk about, about Mark Perlini. Lazarus all day, but can we talk about Brendan Perlini? Yeah, let's let's get to the let's get to the the good stuff here, Brendan Perlini. Yeah, so all right, Brendan Perlini recorded his first NHL hat trick last night. It came against his former team, the Arizona Coyotes. He scored his last goal with three seconds remaining, and that made it seven to one. 
Uh, that was pretty hilarious. Um, I feel no shame for that. Usually you say, oh, I don't run up the score, but special moment for the kid. Get him his hat trick. Uh, the play worked beautifully for that. Debrink it, throwing it across, hit off a defender's skate. Perlini just barely got the tip of his blade on it, but it was enough. He did touch it. When you zoom in on the replay, you can see he did touch it. It did go in, so it wasn't like they pity gave it to him. So he earned it. He got a hat trick. Congrats, Brendan Perlini. Um, but other than that, you know, even outside of that hat trick, he's had uh, six goals, 17 shots, and he's a plus five in his last five games. So a couple of multi-goal games, two goals uh, at L.A. I know that was a bad one overall for the Hawks. The team, other than him, pretty much quit after the 15-minute uh, mark of the second period, I'd say. Uh, but at least it was good to see him. That kind of, you feel like that was his breakout game a little bit. Had a goal against Buffalo, got to the front of the net a little bit, and then obviously the hat trick last night. So uh, what do we like from Bubs here? I love this kid. I absolutely love this kid, his energy. Johnny, we've talked about it a little bit. Um, I think this was the guy that you asked, does anybody else feel like this is a this is a mainstay for the Hawks for a while? And I'm pretty sure my response was, imagine this guy in a playoff series. Um, yep. He'd be a household name. Uh, he just plays with a ton of grit. I know last week we, we kind of stroked on, on uh, Kajula and how the style of play is just something. He's, he's a hockey player. Perlini's a hockey player, too. Um, a little bit of a different sense, but he's also not the kind of guy that's going to back down from anything. Um, I love the edginess. I love the the uh, the goal scoring ability from somebody like that. He kind of reminds me almost a little bit, guys, of uh, almost kind of like Lad, guys. He's kind of got that style. I don't know if he's got the same the same skill the, set, but um, just the style of play a little bit from him. He reminds me of an Andrew Lad. Um, I think it's the combo of the speed and size is what's getting you. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think, I, I don't know if that's an exact comp for him, but um, just his kind of role with this team is kind of the same thing here. Um, if if he continues to stay on this pace and, and put up these kind of numbers, uh, I think that uh, we talk about secondary scoring. Secondary scoring is going to be hard to find. And he's the kind of guy that gives you that secondary scoring. Um, if he can stay with do, doing what he's doing right now, um, I'm I'm hoping he's in Chicago for years to come. Um, that's all I can say. I mean, it's secondary scoring, Brandon Perlini, he's that kind of guy that can that can really turn it on for you, and he could be a difference maker in a playoff series. That's more than you can ask for from a from a guy in that type of role. Yeah, I've, you know he's been he's been solid. You know, a slow start for sure. Um, which you know with Strom getting off to you know what he did it was looking like well it doesn't even matter because you won the trade because Strom was so good and now you're seeing Perlini come around and it's it's almost like holy shit did did Stan Bowman actually is he actually the one that made this trade did he rip someone off um it's just he's been good and you know because you really weren't getting a whole lot from uh, Nick Schmaltz. And now you've, you've brought two guys in who, you know, Strom really solidifies because you were in desperate need of getting a center. But now, like you said, with Perlini, it's just this depth scoring because ideally maybe you're playing him on a third line and he's getting some more favorable matchups, you know, moving forward into next year. If you can solidify your top six a little more, this guy's going to be a perfect third line, third line winger to give you some extra scoring and whatnot. Uh, we've been running all these guys out here on the bottom six line, you know, looking for scoring and, you know, some of them just aren't sticking, you know, 
I, we've seen Camp. He's been getting out of the score sheet lately, but you know you're not really getting everything. That's not a guy that you're really going to want around for years to come. But Perlini's looking like a guy who can maybe stick around, which is good because you know you're going to have to have guys uh, round out your lineup moving forward in the next year and the years to come. And Perlini definitely looks like a guy who can do that. Yeah, so I don't know if this is just auditions. Um, I know we've seen some line juggling. You've seen Dylan Sakura jump up to the first line. Um, but I want to credit the coaching staff for bumping up his minutes so he can have this opportunity to do this. I had some numbers here. From the new year up until that L.A. game when he broke out and scored those scored those two goals, he was averaging 843 time on ice from the new year until that L.A. game. And now over these last five games where he's been on a nice stretch, he is averaging 1238. So you give him four extra minutes and look what he can do. Uh, I'm not saying that pace is going to keep up. Uh, I think he's feeling it right now. You know, confidence is huge there. But it's nice to see that opportunity because every time I would check the box score, it would be like, oh, Perlini got seven and change. Uh, Perlini only got nine minutes tonight. Uh, The max would be like a would be a miracle if he got up over that double digit mark in minutes. So um, credit credit to the coaching staff there for also deploying him. That's um, that's a good. You got to be on the ice to produce. That's a good point, Johnny. Um, one of the things that uh, Coach Q had always gotten a lot of heat for is not playing some of these younger guys and not giving guys chance and kind of icing them out. I don't think I personally have given a lot of credit to Colleton and some of the coach uh, the coaching staff that's that's currently. Um, running this team, but um, you bring up a really good point. I feel like Perlini would have been kind of one of those guys that could have wound up in the doghouse and never really gotten a chance to uh, do what he's doing right now. Um, so, yeah, credit to uh, Coach Carlton and, and what's going on right here with uh, with his coaching staff to identify him as a, as a candidate to get more minutes and, and more exposure. Um, you know, you kind of look at this, and we, we talk about a week ago, the position that the Hawks were in, uh, it, it makes sense to kind of audition people like you uh, had brought up. Um, you know, Sakara's getting a chance, like you said. Uh, Perlini's getting some more minutes. Uh, you wonder if they had planned on not exactly winning these next three games and, and putting us in the position that we're in again. Uh, like I said, this this year's been a roller coaster, guys. I'm just uh, waiting for the next drop. Yeah, it, it really is a roller coaster. It's the best way to describe it. It's up and down. Uh, I had mentioned before, once you think they're out, they pull you right back in with a couple of games like these past three. So I think there is another drop coming. Um, you'd hope it's not a disappointing one like it had been previously after that uh, win streak. But, um, you know, a couple of Eastern Conference games up here, I would say, falling to an Eastern conference team is much better than losing to someone that you're competing with in the West. There's no doubt about that. So we will get into those next, uh, matchups coming up towards the end of the show. Like we usually do. Um, I wanted to touch on something that Patrick brought up earlier though. Uh, you had said it, but I just wanted to read this tweet because it was ridiculous. When we're talking about what's gone right these past couple of games, you know, one goal games, each of them, the defense is only allowed, you know, one goal in each. So up until that, Uh, Buffalo game though this tweet was from last Thursday during the day if you bet the over in each of the last 15 Blackhawks games and rolled over the winnings each game you'd be up 
847k in change um and then someone quote tweeted and says you'd now be a millionaire if you started with 100 and rolled over the winnings for these 16 straight overs in blackhawks games and that would be 1.6 million because they went they hit the over on that buffalo game too so that that's just insane it's almost unfathomable to think that but uh when, when you watch this team you knew it because the defense was just so brutal uh, you figured they were going to give up that many, and then they had the firepower to at least answer back a little bit. So overs were for sure the thing there. Um, but that just brings me back to the point. Is the defense actually tightening up, or is this just a fluke here? That's a good question. Um, I'm going to say fluke at the moment because they haven't proven to be consistently good over the course of the year. So... I'm almost going guilty until proven innocent on that one. I'll turn it over to Pat. Yeah, I mean, you hope it's not a fluke. Um, you hope maybe if you look at it uh, on the positive side, like, you know, they changed defensive systems. Probably takes, you know, especially for the veteran guys that have been playing that Quenville system their whole, you know, pro life. Uh, that's an adjustment period, adjustment period for the young guys too. So maybe. Maybe they're coming into their own. Maybe it is just a fluke. Maybe you caught Arizona and Dallas on fortunate nights. Um, but, you know, hey, we're going to find out, and we're probably really going to find out uh, in Toronto if, you know, what we got here. Um, hopefully hopefully it is not a fluke. Um, I would probably say it's more likely that way, though. I mean, we've seen a lot of these defensemen not to believe that any of these guys are, you know, the answer. So, but I, we're going to find out. That's what these last couple games are all about. So, I, I mean, I think regardless of what what goes on in some of these games, there's still a glaring need on the defense. We've talked ad nauseum about, you know, a lot of these guys that are on the decor right now and the up and comers are, are offensive defensemen. There's really no shutdown guy. You've got Keith and Seabrook who are aging. We know that. Um, but, I mean, that's why I say fluke. But, Johnny, I'm I'm curious what you think. I'm going to go with fluke as well. Uh, I agree with your statement, Tony. Um, guilty until proven innocent. Just you're going to go and see the Gustav Forsling, the Gustafson turnovers. Um, Connor Murphy is not necessarily a shutdown guy. He's more solid defensively, no doubt about it. One of the more solid ones that we have in his own zone. But uh, I'm going to go with Fluke, and I'm going to say what, coming up here uh, in these next few games, we could see some barn burners. We saw an 8-7 game when we played Toronto back at the UC. We got them coming up. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a 5-6 affair uh, coming up Wednesday night. That That's my take on it. You got anything else to add? I mean... Who doesn't like high-scoring hockey affairs? I mean, these are. I mean, they might they might be bad hockey. It might be bad defense, but it certainly keeps you on the edge of your seat. I mean, I've enjoyed. I've actually enjoyed watching some of these games. Um, you know, like last night was great. You know, you like seeing your team put up seven goals. But you know, even when when we were talking about this over streak, it's been fun to watch because you're seeing you're seeing a very highly skilled offensive team you know just play to that game and I think that that's kind of the strategy that they've kind of almost adapted here is that they're going to have to outscore their opponent rather than focus so much on the defense and what it's created is pick up hockey games 
It's it's almost like watching a men's league game where nobody's trying to play defense. It's like almost like it's almost an all star game. You're seeing track meets. You're seeing Patrick Kane get the puck with a lot of space and go and score. You're seeing, you know, um, I know that we talked about it's not the best for Corey Crawford to get put into the fire, but, um, you know, I almost argue that it's it's good to see him get a bunch of shots because that's what's going to prepare him um, in for next year. You know, you want to see him take that kind of workload and see what he can do. Um, it's also proven that, uh, you know, or proven effective for Delia's development for Cam Ward to get those kind of workloads. If there's a silver lining, I think in the defense having holes, it's that the goalie's getting a little bit more work, um, more so for Delia than Ward and, and, and Crawford in this sense. But, um, you like to see what they can do, uh, and try and steal a game. That's why I think it was special to see that two, one game because you get that kind of shutdown defense. And I think that that just proves to me all mo- like it really sets in stone for me that if the the Hawks were able to acquire a top four D man or two going into next year, I think they can be a legitimate threat because they can win those kind of games with the with the offense that they have, and they can go on on a really good run next year. I think that that really solidified the fact for me. Like I want them to go find that D man almost more than going and signing an Artemi Panarin or somebody like that to add to this offense because I think this offense is actually pretty damn good. You know where their holes are. We've seen the defense all year. You know what you're getting there for the most part. I would, I'm going to throw out a little bit of a hot take here. I would rather see these barn burner games continue for the rest of the season as long as we're getting depth scoring. You're looking more for forward auditions right now. I'd rather see Brendan Perlini continue a hot streak. I'd rather see guys like, you know, Dylan Sakura finally jump up and score some goals. I'd like to see David Camp actually evolve a little bit of an offensive game. He's uh, had a goal on Saturday night, and then he also had an assist on uh, last night's game against Arizona. So I would like to see that. As long as we're getting it from there, and it's not just a, I mean, I love, don't get me wrong, I love seeing Patrick Kane score, but if we're looking for something to build on for next year um, and actually find out what these guys are about, I wouldn't mind seeing these high-scoring affairs. No, exactly. As long as it's not Chris Kunitz, because I don't think him scoring does anything for the Blackhawks. It does give you a kind of WTF moment when he gets on the score sheet. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point there by uh, Johnny, because, uh, you know, none of these defensemen are, you know, I think you've, you've seen what you got with these guys and you know that they aren't the answer at least in the top four anyways like you know obviously Keith and Seabrook are going to be there but when you look at you know Murphy Murphy's solid but he's not he's not a top end guy and then you know Forsling I think I think you've seen about what you're going to get he had promise at one point but he is what he is um and then uh you know Dahlstrom's just kind of there he doesn't make huge mistakes but he isn't that noticeable out there um so if you can get some of these younger guys to get moving that would be or forward wise if you can get them to show something that's good because you that you can cross off one more question mark going into the off season going into next year um i think i'd like to see a little bit more from you know let's throw cahoon on the ice a little bit more you know he was he was an interesting guy at the beginning of the year. Let's see what we got with him and some of these guys. It's nice to see Perlini emerge. 
Um, so, yeah, I think that is an interesting point. You know, let's see what you got with the forwards because you're going to have to address the defenseman thing. I think the issue with that is, like you said, Tony, like we needed a top four guy, but there really ain't much out there on the free agent market, so they might have to pull off some sort of trade, and then it's going to come down to what are you willing to part with. So, Tony, you brought up about, you know, this team needs a top four defenseman. They might need three top four defensemen. Ideally, you're going to look to try and get one, you know, but, you know, it's one of those errors that coming from because there really aren't those in the free agent market going down that route's going to be a big headache and it's really not worth it. So uh, maybe you're looking, if you can pull off a trade, and I would pose this to you guys with maybe if you find someone who really likes Brandon Sod, maybe, and they have defensemen that they're willing to part with, if you're willing to, you know, maybe make a swap of Sod for a top four defenseman, either that or are you more comfortable maybe dealing one of these prospects that you have? You know, you bring up Brandon Sod as a potential trade piece here, and I think that that's probably your best answer. Um, for trying to go acquire somebody who would be a top four defenseman. A lot of our prospects seem to be guys who could potentially wind up in a top four D role. Um, you know, you're, you're probably looking at if you want to deal something um, for a top four defenseman, you're probably looking at giving up a guy like Yoki Haru. And I think that that's where his long-term projection would be is a top four defenseman. Um, you're looking at Bachwist, and you know you'd hope that he becomes a top four defenseman. Um, maybe Bodine gets tossed around in there, but we're talking about defensemen. I don't see a lot of depth when I look at the the forwards down in Rockford and what we have um, outside of you know a few names, but I don't think any of those really move the needle for a team that's going to give up a top four defenseman. So I think you have to move somebody like Brandon Saad. I think he's probably the, the one guy that you could part with because when we look at the score sheets day, day in and day out, and we look at the difference makers, we've made it almost 40 minutes and we haven't even brought up Saad's play. And that to me shows that He's kind of absent out there. I know if you actually go back and look at his numbers, he's had a really quiet good year. Um, but in the sense that you traded a guy who's constantly talked about in Artemi Panarin for Brandon Saad, um, I, I just don't think that we won that trade in any way, shape, or form. Um, I don't think that Brandon Saad has been the Brandon Saad that we had his first stint in Chicago. I don't think that he really brings what we needed to the table when we needed to replace Hosa. And he's a very good hockey player. Like I said, he's put together a really sneaky good year quietly. But if you look at a very tradable piece, I think it is him. I think that that's the name that, that can go. Um, you'd like to see us get rid of Anisimov. I'm wondering if you could package the two of them up and turn it into a top four defenseman. Um, you might have to include more in that deal. Uh, but you're also looking at clearing off a significant amount of salary cap space if you move those two, um, where you could bring back somebody on a on on a high 
um, salary right there and open yourself up to replace Saad's offensive, um, the offense that Saad brings to this team in the free agent market um, with that kind of salary cap space that would be created and getting rid of both of those guys. So um, I, I like that idea um, as long as it brings back the talent that we need to the decor. Johnny, toss it over to you. You guys are lucky Ron Luce is not on this episode. He is a uh, Brandon Sod apologist, I would say. Uh, Ron, if you're listening, love you, buddy. Uh, but we know where our guys' uh, loyalties and um, you know interests lie in here. But no, I, I think if you're talking about trade chips, then sure, yes. Uh, Sod is probably your best bet if you're trying to go out and acquire that top four D-man. Um, I think you guys hit it really well, uh, the situational aspects of it um, with what you would need to package to actually get one of these top four defensemen because we can say this all along and, oh, what would be good for the Hawks to move, but what are other GMs actually going to accept? That's what you have to think about here, and it's not just going to be that. So uh, defensemen are very valued. It's hard to develop them, and when you get a good one, you want to hold on to them. So... Um, the off is going to be very, very interesting. We will have, uh, plenty of episodes debating all of this at length, uh, coming up, but I think that's a good point for us to break right now, get to an ad read. Um, when we come back, we've got news and updates. We've got the playoff picture. We've got a little Kane versus Kucherov for heart debate. And then we're going to look at the week ahead. So with that, let's go to a word from our sponsor. And we are back. It's episode 24 of the Four Feathers podcast. I'm Johnny Nani with Tony Marchese and Patrick Comiskey. Time to get to some news updates. David Camp came back from his injury that kept him out for an extended period of time. Finally, last Thursday versus Buffalo. He has points in his last two games. Uh, He had a nice give-and-go play with Chris Kunitz on Saturday night to open the scoring for the Hawks. And then he uh, he returned the favor a little bit. Nice assist. uh, Threw it back to Kunitz, who was wide open on the weak side. uh, So Kunitz could pot a goal against Arizona last night. So good to see David Kampf back because you would imagine uh, for a low-cost player, uh, fourth-line center, winger type, he will most likely be back next year. As much as I've railed on about him earlier on in the season, um, he's not terrible for that price. So other than that, Blackhawks today signed Philip Kurashev to a three-year deal through 2021 and 22. That is a 925K annual average value. He will remain in the QMJHL for now. Uh, this guy's having a really good season down there. He's got 28 goals. 34 assists, good for 62 points through 57 games uh, for the QMJHL Quebec Remparts. So that's encouraging. I think that's a guy that we've talked about a little bit in prospect reports of the past. Um, he he is just an interesting figure there, and he could possibly be our top scoring prospect. I, I would go as far as to say that. Any You guys have any thoughts? I, I know he's down in the QMJHL, so we don't really get to see him all that much, but just from our updates... Um, you like that Kershev deal? I mean, I do. Um, you're getting him for under a million, right around a million, but uh, he gets three years, 
you might see him maybe next year a little bit. You know you'll see him in training camp, uh, that's for sure. Um, and, and some of the uh, the preseason games, I'm sure he's going to get some time out there on the ice, um, maybe earn a spot. I think that Taves, Strom, Kurashev is a solid top three. Maybe not next year, but uh, the year after for sure. Um, but we talk about depth scoring again, Johnny. Um, this is a guy that could add a little depth scoring. I could see him on a line, maybe Kurashev, Perlini, um, insert, you know, whoever else. If Saad's still around, we, we, I know we just talked about trading him, but a third line of Saad, Kurashev, and uh, Perlini would be a very interesting line, a little grit to that line with some scoring ability. Uh, not the worst thing in the world. Um, center depth is important, and having him around for three years on uh, – 925 that's that's a steal i think if he can you know put up 15 20 goals in his first year maybe you know stretch the, that 20 mark um you're just adding another really good goal scorer uh to this hawks team uh that's something to be very excited about so um i'm happy with that deal and i i don't expect him to put up the same kind of numbers he's doing right now in the qmjhl but um I, you'll probably you probably see him in rockford a little bit for a while um before he makes his way up to the show but uh i think that's a good deal for the hawks yeah uh so i think you hit it there because you need uh center depth because i still as much as strom's been good i think this team still really needs another center because i don't think you want camp playing above the fourth line i think he's an ideal fourth line center for you but once you move him up in that third role it's you know, I think he's playing up a slot too high. I think in a perfect world for me, uh, I would like, I think Strom's good enough to be. But I would actually more so like him to be and you take Kane and put him back on his second line. If you could just find a center to play on that second line with Kane and then you got Taze, you know, on being your top line guy, Kane carrying your second line and then your third line being ran by Strom and uh Brinkett. Now you're talking about a formidable team cuz um when the Blackhawks had all those good years, you know, they're rolling four lines but they were rolling three strong. So that's ideally what you want to get back to. You know, you bring up a good guy at, you know, base. Keep going. You're getting this guy basically at, you know, practically nothing. So it's it's at least worth a tryout, you know. Let's see what he's got. You you bring up a good point about when the Hawks were running some of these juggernaut teams. It was debatable what your second or third line was. Actually, you could even throw in there it was debatable who you who your number one line was, your number 2 and your number 3. I want to get back to that, and I think that that kind of solidifies the fact that, like, yeah, if you can have Debrinket, I was going to jump in on you and say you can't throw Strom down to the third line because him and Debrinket just have that chemistry of a second line uh, right there, you know, with the scoring ability. And if you're rolling, if you're rolling three high danger scoring chance lines and then have a fourth line that's kind of a more defensive minded you throw you know camp camp out there um you know this is a team that that kind of looks more like a playoff team so getting some of these guys on these good deals like Kurashev right here 
925, um, you know, has the potential maybe to be a second, third line center. And you start to argue about, you know, who's your real second line, who's your real first line, who's your real third line. That's the, those are, those are good problems to have. And I think that that, uh, that's hopefully what we're talking about next year come this time. I agree. You guys, uh, put it in the perfect words for the long-term outlook there. Um, for the short term though, even though Ron's not on this podcast, I'll give him his little minute here. He had mentioned in the four feathers group today that, uh, maybe if that QMJ HL season ends a little early, you're seeing Kershaw for a Rockford run. That would be fun to see. Uh, you get a little more taste of them. I watched him at that prospects camp last year. I did a lot of coverage on that. So, um, that will definitely be interesting to see him back there again this year. I know he'll probably spend some time in Rockford before he would hit the Blackhawks, but um, I like it. Overall, I like the deal a lot. Um, I, I think it's an exciting option because he's not one that you really, really think about all that much. Uh, I know we're pretty focused on the guys up here, but even of the prospects, what are you looking at? Oh, it's mainly defensemen. Oh, it's mainly offensive defensemen. How are we going to bolster this blue line? Whereas you could have these guys that end up being, uh, you know, guys that make themselves worth a lot of money after their first couple of years, if they're actually uh, really producing and providing that depth scoring, if you're talking depth, like, you know, from like a third line spot there. So um, I like it. I'm excited to see Philip Kershev wearing the Indian head in the coming years. So that does it for the news and updates. We, it may be a pipe dream at this point, but we got to cover it. It's the playoffs. Playoffs? Wait, are we talking about the playoffs? Playoffs? You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> this has been a this has been a thing now for almost three months. I think the playoffs. The playoffs. Let's talk uh, about it. We're gonna we're gonna run down the picture here, and then we got a little round table to get to. Dallas in the first wild card spot with 77 points through 69 games played. Nice. Minnesota in the second wild card spot, 74 points through 70 games. Arizona, they took care of the St. Louis Blues tonight. They are the first team out, 73 points through 69 games. Colorado, 72 points through 70 games, right behind Arizona there. And then the Blackhawks are right behind Colorado. Uh, 69 points through 69 games. Very nice. And then the Edmonton Oilers also are at that same spot uh, just below us. And then seventh place, Vancouver. Uh, they have 65 points through 69 games. And then the bottom two, Anaheim and L.A., are pretty much out of it. 63 and 58 points for them, respectively. So <laughs> I had said it. Two times before, I'm going to say it a third because apparently that's the charm. Just when you think they're out, they suck you right back in. That is, seems to be a theme here. Um, you know, it, it really did seem it, like it was, you know, we're done. We're wounded. That was the name of last week's episode where uh, the magic, the luster had worn off. And it's not as sexy as that stretch before, you know, that winning streak and all that. It's not as sexy as that hope they gave us then, but it's kind of gritty hope now. I would I would describe it as that. 
because you got two Canadian teams that you're going up against. Sure, the Leafs are decent, but you got a Montreal team that's very beatable Saturday night coming up. So what what are our thoughts here on the playoff picture, guys? So, again, I go back to this roller coaster. You can play the song if you want. But I just want to go back a little bit to, like, almost November. We weren't thinking about playoffs when Coach Q was fired. We were denouncing that John McDonough and Stan Bowman believed in this roster. We were questioning what the hell these guys were talking about when they said that this team even had a chance. Then we go on this terrible stretch after Calton had started as the head coach, pretty much in a full-blown tank and thinking about whether or not we're going to be taking Capo Caco or Jack Hughes in the NHL draft. Then, out of nowhere, you go on this incredible run, even get yourself up into a playoff spot for a little bit, on the heels of this, what was it, an eight-game stretch where they just couldn't seem to lose? And I remember just sitting in the room with Denny Savard when I went to that game and him talking about how this team is for sure going to the playoffs, that the boys are smelling it, that the, that the team is so hot right now, and that you know they have a mission. And then it was like the wheels fell off the wagon, man. The wheels completely fell off the fucking wagon. And... I was ready to last week had we not had had we had a full crew. I know Ron and I kind of dissected a little bit of what was going on, but I was ready to have a fucking funeral ceremony for these boys. Because this team was dead. Now, while I'm sitting here carrying the casket of the 2018-19 Blackhawks season, I hear something knocking, and here they are again. Just when you think that they're dead, there's a pulse. Now, it might be nothing, but it's really fun to believe in a team. Winning is fun. Patrick, you sent out a tweet the other day that winning's fun. Winning is fun. I like watching this team win. Hell yeah, brother. This team has a little bit of a swagger to them. They always have. It's just about the consistency. And I think that that's what drives me a little bit nuts about this team is that they haven't found that consistency. I don't know what it's going to take to get them there. But when we've talked about when you have Patrick Kane, you're never out of a game. When you've got a guy like Alex DeBrinket who can pour on a goal at any point in time, you're not out. When you have Corey Crawford who can steal a game, this team has a, so many threats. Like I said before, if you, you add another top four defenseman to this roster, I think that they really solidified things. That's not going to happen for the rest of this year, but, I mean, this is a good, good fun hockey team to watch. 
maybe that pulse turns into a full-blown heartbeat and we can see something here. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but I would enjoy the hell out of that ride. Yeah, it it is just... Uh, it, I think you hit it all there perfectly, Tony, but I just want to say that is so, so, so much better infinitely than last year. Uh, you talk about a swagger. They had no swagger last year. They were dead. Uh, they rolled over and died when they got down one, two goals even. Um, this year, it's not like that at all. So that's that's what's encouraging about it. If I had to give an honest prediction, I do not think this team is going to make the playoffs. Um, it's a log jam there. We are still in a position where every game is almost pretty much a must win. Um, you know, they're not going to finish out the season with 13 wins straight. So I'm going to go ahead and say that it probably won't happen. But I do agree that winning is fun. This team has a pulse still. It's not. It's not completely done. Uh, if I just had to give a prediction, though, that's mine. They they will come up short, and some you know the the uh, Jack Hughes people will be up in arms. Oh, this was terrible. This was the worst possible situation. Finish just short. Um, I I don't even if you finish in that bottom, you're not guaranteed it though. You're yeah, not guaranteed those too. picks. Yeah, we we've already hit on that. So um, I'm just gonna ride it out. I'm going to cheer like hell for him every game. Hope it happens. But my realistic expectations, I do think they will come up short, probably by about five points or so. You know, I, I want to take a little bit of a different spin on this, guys. We're three good diehard White Sox fans. We've seen a team on the south side put together a bunch of crap runs. If the White Sox were to come within a few games of making the playoffs this year, wouldn't it be a good season? Wouldn't you guys be happy with it rather than than another top three draft pick? I would be over the top jumping for joy. So it would... It would be winning the World Series, basically, if that team managed to do that. You know, if we're talking about a team that needs to win 10 games in a row in September to make the playoffs, I would think that that would be a good, good season, right? This was a good season for the Hawks compared to what we had last year. You know, you hit it on the head. That team rolled over. This team doesn't roll over. That's, I, I think that you kind of lose sight of what a good season is when you win three cups in the course of, you know, five years. So, you know, you judge success a little bit differently. And yeah. I think this was a good year for them. Pat, I'm going to turn it over to you. I think we're setting the bar a little too low for them. Um, Cause at the end of the day, you still have, roster that three Hall of Famers. Um, you know, Keith isn't playing at that level that he used to, but you still have Pat playing the best hockey of his life, which is crazy because look at all the things he's done, and this is probably going to turn out to be the best season of his career. You have Jonathan Tays back to form, playing at a, a point-per-game clip, and 
it sucks because you have just these two premium guys playing at the top of their game and you have a 22 year old with what 37 goals and he's at a point per game clip as well and it's like you know we're sitting here looking you know six points out of the playoffs where i think if i think if you're going to Kane's going to do this, Brink going to do this, we'd be like, well, this team's making the playoffs, how could they not? Because, you know, we all thought the problem for the longest time was, well, we need Taves back to form. Well, he's back to form and some, and it's, you know, we're still there. So I think you got to set the bar just a little bit higher for the Hawks, which maybe it's not fair to them because of their past success, but, it, you know, half the teams make playoffs in hockey, so I think it'd be realistic you know, we should be getting a little more. And I don't think it's on the players because the players are playing hard. I'm just I'm not willing to just stay on a pass yet because I think, to a degree, he's wasting these good years of Taze and Kane, which, you know, we got three cups out of them, but it's, you know, these they're still playing at this high clip and we're not even making the playoffs. I think that's, I think that's a problem. I do agree with that as well. The one thing I do want to throw back into this mix, Patrick, is that we missed... Corey Crawford, the one thing that can combat the bad defense is having a really shut-down goalie. And we haven't seen the same Corey Crawford since the first concussion that was suffered last year. And to me, yes, they have wasted probably one of the best years. Yeah, 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 that's a fair point. Of, of Kane and Taves production wise and yes they should they should be judged on whether or not that they make the playoffs this year but I also think that we do have a little bit higher of expectations for this team just based on past success I think one of the problems that we have yet to to really get over and get a clear answer to is what the front office's goals are because they've sent mixed messages from this team for to the fans about what this team's actual goals are. If you go into this year without Coach Q because he gets let go over the offseason and we're told that this is going to be a rebuilding year and this team comes within a few games of the playoffs, I think people are happy with what the what the, the team has done. If you go into the year and you fire Coach Q in November like they did and then still tell everybody that the goal is the playoffs and they don't make the playoffs, well, then you've set the expectation for the fans. You've kind of faked your way through trying to sell the tickets. We know John McDonough is a a marketing mastermind. And they fall short. Well, then it's not a success. I think that the front office has done a really poor job of selling the fans on what's actually going on here. Because if you watch this, we talk about trying players out in the end of the season. We talk about giving guys auditions. That's what this should have been marketed as all year long. Come watch Patrick Kane play, but guess what, guys? We're building something for next year. And I think that Stan Bowman's comments about we want to be good in 18 to 24 months were also you know, not exactly what needed to come out of his mouth because you get these mixed messages. Nobody knows what to expect. 
Nobody knows what the direction is. But that's all from the front office. That's not from what the players are doing. You know, like we said, these guys don't give up. They play with heart. They continue to play as best as they can. Yes, we'd like them to show up a little bit more consistently. But this team really hasn't rolled over as much as we've seen over the past 12 to 24 months. So I'm confused as a fan right now as to what the actual goal of this team was. What was the one goal? Yeah, I think I think you got two guys in the front office with, you know, I think Stan I think Stan knew what this team was that, you know, it realistically wasn't a playoff team, but you know, he can't say that because the reason they're not a playoff team is him. And then McDonough can't say that either because I think he realized that the Blackhawks are kind of in a fragile situation. You know, I think if you if you go to some of these weekday games, like the Blackhawks are technically still selling out every game, but you're more and more this year and somewhat last year starting to, you know, you'll pop up all around the stadium. There's these empty seats all over and it's, you know, the tickets are selling, but people are just not going. It's not significant. They're still... It's still a heavy crowd every night, but I think you're starting to see the cracks, and I think McDonough is weary of that, and he's got to say everything he says has to be calculated to to keep the people coming through the door and spending money at the United Center. So I don't think you're ever really going to get a fully, a fully honest answer out of those two because Stan can't, Stan can't be honest because it's going to be a mark on himself about how he messed up this roster and McDonough. But job to do, and that's put people in seats. So he, I think that's kind of the problem. I think Tony said it that John McDonough is this PR guru. So then Patrick echoed it, and you're never going to get the full answer there. Um, It would be throwing both Stan and John under the bus if they were to stray from anything other than, oh, we've believed in this roster, we believe they're a playoff team, the believe in one goal, all of that. So I agree, Tony. I'm a little confused there. Um, You know, there's good points on both sides of this. I I am against tanking in hockey. I'd say I'm a little more okay with it in baseball. I'm against tanking in hockey, though, just because it sets that terrible sort of loser culture. And I think that, you know, you can see in a hockey game, this is you see momentum. You see a goal happen, and then another goal can happen, you know, a minute and a half later and then that team is rolling they're the one with the momentum even if they're the team that's down um i think on a larger scale it's you take all these lumps like we did last year and then you know you're just kind of feeling down about it um not not to say that they didn't come out with fight this upcoming season but it it just sets a bad precedent i think then for younger guys like a Gustafson, like a Dominic Cahoon, like a Dylan Strom. Uh, he's never been involved in a playoff type situation or push really all that much down in Arizona. So um, 
uh, I don't know. It, it's it's a tough situation. Um, I think they're gonna miss out here. Um, the goal should be to fill those needs so we do get the you know uh, a couple more runs here with those elite hall, future Hall of Fame players that we have still on this roster. And you know you had like Patrick had mentioned, you have the resurgence from Johnny Taves. You have the uh, Patrick Kane's just, you know, he he's right up there for the heart. And that's the next thing that we're going to get to here. So um, I think that has to be the next direction for it. But no matter what they're thinking, you're never going to get the uh, full answer from them. So that's why we're here to help try and dissect it just from uh, observations and uh, different things that we see both on the ice and comments from the front office here. So I think that's a good point. Now that I brought up Patrick Kane in the heart discussion, we need to get to Kane versus Kucherov here. Cause I got a notification from the score today guys. And it was about Kucherov is the clear cut favorite for the heart trophy. And this may be a little biased just cause Patrick Kane is a Chicago Blackhawk, but the definition of the heart trophy is player judged most valuable to his team. I'm going to read off some numbers from, from uh, both of these guys, and I'm going to let you guys expand on it a little bit. Okay. Nikita Kucherov has 33 goals, 78 points. Good for a hundred and excuse me, 33 goals, 78 assists. Good for 111 points through 70 games for the Tampa Bay lightning leading the league in scoring. Patrick Kane has 41 goals, 57 assists, good for 98 points through 68 games. The Bolts also have Braden Point at 83 points, Stamkos at 79 points. They've just been on a tear all year, and they've already secured a playoff spot with still, what, 13, 14 games to go here? Maybe 12 for them because they have, yeah, they have one more than us played. The Hawks have Taves at 71 points to bring it at 68 points. And they've been fighting for their playoff lives this whole stretch. Hawks weren't even close to contention, I would argue, if Kane doesn't carry them with that ridiculous 20-game point, uh, point streak, 17 goals, 26 assists over that stretch, 43 points. So I'm just going to open it up to you guys. I, I think there's you can't consider Nikita Kucherov the clear-cut favorite. I would say he's probably in the lead right now, but there needs to be a little more discussion about this. So I'll take this one first again. Um, no, not clear-cut. I mean, you have to consider the body work. I mean, you, you laid it out there very well. Um, the Hawks have been fighting for their playoff lives. There's no way that they're even in in talk of playoffs if Patrick Kane doesn't go on that run. Um, that that win streak they put together, uh, a lot of those games were on the back of, of Patrick Kane. And, you know, the guy's got 41 goals this year. Yeah, you'd like to see the assist numbers, but um, a lot of the goals that Kane have scored has been really timely for the Hawks, too. Um you you probably see Kucherov go get this just because of the the point total, 
and Kane kind of slowed down a little bit over the past, you know, few weeks here, but he's still putting up points. And yeah, you have a better supporting cast, I think, in in, in the in the Bolts lineup with with Stamkos and Point putting up that those kind of point numbers. Um, nothing to take away there from what Johnny Taves or, or Alex DeBrinket have done uh, for the Hawks, but most important to your team, uh, that that's Patrick Kane. I don't think that there's anybody else in the league who is more important to their team than Patrick Kane is. I mean, you you look at this this Blackhawks roster. Imagine what it would be like without Patrick Kane. Uh, I can't even think about how terrible this team would be without the offensive production that Patrick Kane puts puts forth for this this squad. I mean, there's there's no arguing that. I don't think that you can replace what Patrick Kane does for the Blackhawks in any stretch of the imagination. There's nobody who's going to come in here and do what he does. I feel like Kucherov, while an excellent player and who's having a really, really, really good year, I just I still don't think he's the same as Patrick Kane on the Blackhawks, even if he played for the squad. I, I just don't see that happening. I don't. Uh, and that's nothing to take away from, from his game. Um, he is a premier talent in the NHL. But uh, what Patrick Kane means to the Blackhawks is basically, uh, you know, you, you look at his body work over his career, and it's just there, there's a reason this team has won so many Stanley Cups. There, there, there's a reason that the Hawks are in every game. We talk about this all the time. Um granted in in sports people are going to go look for the for the better stats you look at the points right here you see him up above Kane they're going to go right to that and say um he had the better year uh well then maybe they should change the definition of what the Hart Trophy is because Patrick Kane to the Blackhawks is basically the heartbeat of this squad yeah so I mean it uh... You know, Kucherov's just having such a great year. You know, it, it, you look at the – it's Kane's best year, and Kucherov still got him by, like, a solid 10 points. Uh, um, obviously, he's playing on just an insane team down there in Tampa. But I think I would say, like, if the Hawks were in a playoff spot right now, I would say Kane's your MVP. He's your Hart Trophy winner. Um, but I have a hard time – giving the heart to a guy on a non-playoff team, like the Hawks would be so, so much worse. They'd probably be at the bottom of the conference if Kane wasn't on this team. But at the end of the day, like they're still not a playoff team. So uh, where do you rank that value? Like Kane's just ridiculous, but it's still not good enough to get you into the playoffs. Now, obviously it's a team sport. Like one player isn't going to get you there, but. I, I'd be interested to see how often, like, what are the times a guy's won the Hart Trophy on a non-playoff team? I would imagine it wasn't too many. So I don't think, I think, I don't want to say Kucherov's your clear-cut winner, but I think ultimately he's going to win it just because, you know, he's on the best team in the league. He's got this huge point total, which I, I'm okay with Kucherov winning it. You know, it's, it's a great year. He's on the best team um, but if Kane had found a way 
to drag the Hawks to the playoffs and he had kept up just that ridiculous streak he was on during the point streak, then maybe he would really be pushing Kucherov. But I think at this point, with the Hawks kind of dwindling and they're not going to make the playoffs, and Kane hasn't been as hot as he was, um, which is, I mean, he's still been good, but it's, he was he's not at that ridiculous clip he was before. I think I think that allowed Kucherov to pull ahead, and he, he'll probably ultimately win that award. And I think I'm okay with it. I mean, it's still a great year for Kane. Like these numbers, they don't, you know, he's he he deserves some sort of award, but Kane's got a shelf of awards. So I th- I think it's okay. All right, this is a Blackhawks show. I'm allowed to rant about whatever I want, and we're Absolutely. Blackhawks. We're Blackhawks biased. So what I'm going to say is, I agree with you, Patrick. Nikita Kucherov will win the heart. I had to just bring this up, debate back and forth between these two, just because I saw that update as a clear cut favorite, and I just wanted to get my point out there. And this is my chance to do it. The Lightning have a solid defensive core. They have a legitimate top four. They have Victor Hedman who can play both ways. They have solid goaltending. And they also have, don't get me wrong, Nikita Kucherov is a spark plug. He is absolutely, he's got speed. He can dish assists. He's done that like crazy this year. And he can put the puck in the back of the net. But the Lightning also have so many other scoring threats. I'd mentioned Braden Point. And then their third one is Stamkos. Stamkos used to be the big name. You know what? Stamkos still is one of the best shots in the league. They get on a power play. You feed him a one-timer. Boom. It's like a mini Ovechkin. That is my argument there. You can get scoring from other places here. There's been plenty of times where the Hawks need Patrick Kane to be that jump starter for us. We need him to go and score a ridiculous backhander on a play that also uh, otherwise didn't have much going for it. We need him to throw that assist uh, to Brinkett leading perfectly into the zone so we can, you know, rush in and score on Hudobin. And that ends up, you know, that's in the first period, but that holds up being the game winning goal. We need that kind of stuff from Patrick Kane. Um, the ridiculous give and go play against Arizona. These are just recent examples. I could go on and on, reference the Make It Nasty video. Um, there's That's just my case for it. Heart Trophy winners or Heart uh, Trophy voters aren't listening to this shit. Um, but it's our forum to at least go and air it out. So I had to air it out there. No, I mean, I agree with you 100% there. I, I didn't want to steal your thunder too much. But um, I think, I think what, <laughs> when it comes down to it, um, I think Kane's more valuable to his team, and that's what the the purpose of the trophy is for. Um, it's not straight MVP, who's the best player in the league. It's who's most valuable to their team. And, you know, you look at some of those assist numbers, Johnny, and, you know, you've got some of these guys like Point and Stamkos, and you talk about that power play. You know, Kucherov can feed these guys better than Kane can feed what he has. Again, nothing to take away from from uh, Debrinket or Taves or Sod or anybody else who's out on the ice with Patrick Kane because you know he knows how to dish him too. But I think that Kucherov just benefits from having a guy like Stamkos Point uh, down there and, and the rest of the Lightning for that matter. Um, 
this this team down there is no stranger to scoring goals. Um, whereas some of the Hawks offense, we talk about that lack of depth scoring. We talk about how much it means that, you know, you get that scoring from the top six. And, and a lot of that comes from Patrick Kane. So as far as most valuable to the team, Johnny, I think that that's Patrick Kane hands down. I agree with you. Kucherov's going to win it, but we had to get our two cents in. So Patrick, I think you had the most logical take on all of this, but I still had to give my rant with that. Time to get to the week ahead. We're about to wrap this up. Wednesday night, the Hawks are at Toronto, 6 p.m. start time. Uh, the Leafs got spanked by the Bolts, 6-2 on Monday, so they will be pissed coming out. Saturday night, it's Hockey Night in Canada. I know I would said this in the group chat, but I love Hockey Night in Canada. Hawks are at Montreal, 6 p.m. start time. Um, Montreal's right on Columbus's tail for that last wild card spot in the East. Uh, they're going to be hungry. Should be a great game. A uh, huge atmosphere Saturday night in hockey. Uh, set, hockey night in Canada, Saturday nights, I would argue, are bigger than football Sundays in America. Hot take there, I know, but I'll roll with it since we're a hockey show. And then Monday night, Hawks are back home hosting Vancouver at 7.30 p.m. What are we looking forward to? Predictions for this week? Um, just analysis, breakdown of any of the upcoming matchups, guys. Hawks are going 2-1 and one in these next three. Um, most looking forward to here would be, like you said, Saturday night, Montreal. Um, uh, if I want to break these games down, I think that loss could potentially come to Toronto. And then you see them rattle off Montreal and Vancouver. Um, if there's any team that's going to beat the Hawks, it's going to be the piss Toronto team, like you said. Um, just they're 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 a decent team um, that can really turn it on and and expose the defense here. So um, I, I think if there's a loss coming, it's probably them. Especially after you you rattle off those those last three this week, you kind of skate by some of those. Some of those games, um, I'd, I'd love to see them go three and zero. Like I, yeah, I'm a fan of this team, and, and beating Toronto would be a would be a huge step forward for them. But uh, I think they lose to Toronto, come into Montreal, um, put on a good show, and then uh, back home against Vancouver. Um, we want to make Vancouver our rival again. I mean, we've sent that tweet out a few times. Uh, I always love beating Vancouver. I think we'll send it good, out again Monday. Yep, I think that'll be a good um, at-home victory. Uh, maybe a maybe a Patrick Kane game right there against Vancouver. Uh, you heard it here first. Yeah, so this team's so unpredictable. Nothing would surprise me. I mean, they could rattle off three straight wins against these teams. Be surprised. They could drop all three of them. I would not be surprised. Um, that prediction wise, that came to mind was probably much the same as yours. Maybe they go two and one and drop it to Toronto. Maybe they go one one and one. Um, I would. You would imagine Crawford's going to get the net Saturday in his hometown. He usually plays pretty well there. I think they could probably pull out a win in Montreal. Um, you got to give Toronto the upper hand. Maybe they, maybe the Hawks sneak up and surprise them. And then, you know, a Monday, a Monday night game against Vancouver, you know, two teams in similar spots. That one's kind of up for grabs. So um, I think 
you know, Vancouver really hasn't been a rival of theirs, but obviously we want it to be. I think those games are always fun to watch just for nostalgia. Um, just dating back to like 09 and 10 and 11 when that rivalry was so good. So there's always, you know, just a little something extra to get going for the game. So I think I'll set my prediction for those three. Just say that again. Say I'll set my prediction at just because it it's uh, caught uh, bugged out on us a little. Yeah, so I think I'll uh, I'll probably set my prediction at one one and one for the following three. Yeah. So actually, Patrick, uh, you took that prediction out of my brain. Um, I was gonna say Hawks will go one one and one. I think we lose to Toronto in regulation. I had mentioned earlier that that was a barn burner back at the UC uh, opening weekend of the year. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see a high-scoring affair. That Toronto team's pissed right now, so uh, they just got a lot flying around up front. So I think it'll be. I think we will see a Matthews and Kane a little back and forth there again. Um, but ultimately, I think the Leafs come out on top of that one Saturday night at Montreal. I think it'll be a hard-fought game, both sides. Um, but I do think the Hawks will lose in overtime or a shootout in that one. Um, just kind of a gut feeling. I follow the Canadians a little bit just because I'm interested in that last spot in the East as well. So um, they have been playing well lately. They won tonight. So I, I think they could keep it rolling and pull one out against the Hawks. But I think that'll be a hard fought game. There's where my overtime loss comes in. And then Monday against Vancouver, I think we take care of business. Um, I think, you know, Pedersen will be very effective for them. But uh, Vancouver is below us in those standings um, in the Western Conference. I think Tony made a good point. You could see a Patrick Kane game there. Wouldn't be surprised for that. I also would not be surprised to see an Alex Dabrinkit game there. So, you know, Perlini's getting the hat tricks. Dabrinkit's like, wow, it's been too long since I've had one of those. <laughs> So, I'd love to see that. I would just absolutely love to see that. I'm sure Debrinkit's agent would love to see that as well. Yeah, I'd like to see Debrinkit hit 40 goals just for, you know, that's cool for a 22, 23-year-old to hit that mark. Yeah, absolutely. I think that about does it for our week ahead. A couple housekeeping notes here. Baseball season is incoming. Uh, spring training is just about to wrap up. Uh, opening day is just a couple of weeks away. So with that, our guys here, Tony and I, are on the Shy Sox Weekly podcast, kind of a sister to Four Feathers. And then Ron Luce has started baseball endeavors over at Northside Nine, also a sister of Four Feathers. Um, so if you're a Cubs fan, check out Northside Nine for coverage from our Ron Luce. And then if you couldn't get enough of Tony and my beautiful voice here on Four Feathers, go and check out Shy Socks Weekly. Um, that's all I got. You guys got any closing thoughts? Nothing more than a let's go Hawks. Let's see if the uh, the pulse continues for this club. And, uh, you know, let's just have some fun watching some hockey before uh, we head into the summer and uh, – you know, don't have much more puck to watch. I know the Stanley Cup playoffs are always fun. Uh, they're much funner when the uh, 
much more fun when the Hawks are in them. But, uh, you know, let's just enjoy watching uh, Patrick Kane and the boys out there on the ice for the, the home stretch here. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into the likely playoffs that are coming. Hockey has the best playoffs of any sport, and it's not even close. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, even without the Hawks probably in it. And you know, anyone but St. Louis or Nashville, and I will be good to go. So let's hope to whoever draws them in the first round beats the living shit out of both of them, and Amen. we don't have to worry about them. Amen. I echo that sentiment. Um, let's enjoy these last few games, though. I always get a little depressed when hockey season ends. I don't think we're going to make the playoffs, as I would mentioned earlier in the episode. So let's savor these last few games. Let's see what we've got. Let's see some depth scoring. That's what I'm really looking forward to. And let's see if Crow can keep up this pace. Um, I think that, you know, it's hard to judge with concussion symptoms, how ready these guys are. Was he actually ready when he came back the first time? That's another very interesting thing to look for down the stretch. He is going to be the number one guy. He's been getting those uh, games. I know Ward is still out with that leg injury. He's been practicing but not playing. So let's uh, let's see some more from Crow, and let's just enjoy hockey while we still have it here. With that being said, that was episode 24 of the Four Feathers podcast. Thank you for tuning in. As always, let's go Hawks. Let's go Blackhawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.